are so excited that you joined us for worship. Our pastors and church family are praying that the favor of God will be on your life and that this word will help propel you into greater purpose. We hope that you are blessed by the following message. Luke 14 and 22, I pray that you have gotten released from all of the food that you have filled yourself with, um, the spirit of gluttony that has grabbed a hold of you these last couple of days, and what you've done to your system, I pray that God will deliver you during this message today <laughs> and that you'll be able to receive what the Lord has to say to you in spite of everything else that's been rolling around in there uh, these days. So happy to see you here. I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. Um, I know I did. Luke chapter 14, verse 22, the Bible says, and the servant said, Master, it is done as you have commanded, um, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, go into the highways, hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. I want to minister the last part of this series entitled Full House. Full House. Thank you guys so much. Uh, we have been in Luke chapter 14 all month long, going through a journey of evaluating this parable. And one of the things that we've captured concerning parables is that there's lots of symbolism inside of parables. Lots of examples and signs and shadows of what God wanted to do. And he uses those symbols and brings us to a place of spiritual truth that we can apply to our lives and walk in. We've been building this whole series around um, this symbol here in this parable in Luke 14 of the feast or the table. Um, the table. One of the things that we've said about the table um, is that um, the table is the place where people in destinies intersect. People in destinies intersect. Here represented in, in scripture, the table is an example of the kingdom of God and the house of God. The kingdom of God and the house of God. And locked inside of this parable, we see the master. The master represents God himself. God himself is giving an invitation. He's given an invitation to many to be able to come inside of his kingdom, to come inside of his house. And uh, we've been taking a look at uh, many of the things that God wants us to understand concerning his table last week. Uh, we dealt with excuses and the need to be able to get rid of your excuses. Um, so it's a statement that I, I often make and, um, and, and I used to use a lot when I was in business, um, in a particular type of business rather, and it was just that excuses are tools of the incompetent used to build monuments of absolutely nothing. I'll say it again. Tools are, uh, excuse me, excuses are tools of the incompetent used to build monuments of absolutely nothing. So that means that, you know, get rid of your excuses, in other words. And we, we dealt with that and the, the reason that we needed to get rid of our excuses so that we can press into what God has for us. Today we're going to go a little bit further in the series and uh, we're going to close the series. Cue all. That was when you were supposed to say all. Cue all. I'm going to try again. Cue all. All right. So the series is ending and uh, appreciate that. Yeah. yeah all right, now you get it. Thank you. You all. Yes. So, um, praise God. It worked a little better at the other campuses, but it's all good, you know. It's late in the afternoon. All right. Verse 21 is where we're going to be uh, uh, um, heading today to uh, conclude the series to really grab um, the last component of what the Lord wants to, to bring to us um, today. And the verse says, so the servant came and reported these things to his master. The master of the house 
being angry. Remember, the master was angry because of the excuses that were just given of why people were not going to come to the table, right? So the master is angry, and he said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. I just want to pause just to remind you that this whole example here in Scripture is showing us that everybody's welcome at the table. You understand that? Everybody's welcome at the table no matter the kind of issue they have. And the truth is, every one of us have an, has an issue. You have an issue. I have an issue. All God's children have issues. Uh, we all have circumstances and situations that God's working and perfecting all of us, you know. Nobody's come to some arrival point. If you have, would you please come teach me after service uh, how that works? But most of us have not come to some kind of arrival point. We're just on a journey. Everybody's journey is different, but we, we're all on a journey in God to become who he's created us to become. Verse 22 um, the Bible says, and the servant said. I want to I spend just a couple of seconds evaluating um, this character of the servant. We talked about the master. We've even talked about those that he gave the invitation to who gave excuses. We've even talked about the maimed, the lame, the poor, and the blind. But the one character that we have not dealt with this um, entire series is the servant himself. The servant that was mandated to carry the invitation to those um, who were invited to the dinner table. Uh, for, th for the sake of this message today, I want you to put yourself in the place of the servant. That God has given you a mandate and a mission to carry his message to a certain people. Um, he's, he's designed you to carry something that he wants to take to a certain people. And one of the things that you're guaranteed to experience when you're carrying the message of Christ to any particular place, people are thing. here it is, is rejection. Y'all still here. Rejection is a part of the game. Um, if you figure that out and just really receive that, you can really help yourself from not having as many issues that you have concerning rejection because you realize it's just going to happen. Jesus even said, Jesus even said that you will be hated for his sake. Just because of the fact that you're carrying his message, that there is a counterculture, uh, there is even a kingdom that is outside or separate from the kingdom of God, whose total goal and plan is to tear up anything that represents the kingdom of God. Are y'all in here today? If you're going to live life and you're going to go through circumstances, you're going to experience rejection. Rejection, my friends, is a part of it. Let me prophesy to you. You shall be rejected. That's such a wonderful prophecy. Uh, it, it, but it is up to you to decide whether you're going to become a reject or not. I told you that before, but it's worth repeating. Is that, is that you, you, you make a decision if you become a reject. How do I become a reject? It's when I internalize rejection. Just because you reject me doesn't mean I have to own it. It's my decision. Just, just because, just because you, you say I don't want you or I don't have what you're bringing does not mean that I have to receive and internalize that rejection. We are rejected or we become rejects rather because we made a decision to become rejects. Every one of us will be rejected, but we do not have to become rejects. It is up to us the type of life that we live in. But think about the servant, if you will. The servant gets a message. He has this mandate. He's supposed to go bring this message to a people. And what is he faced with as soon as he comes to those people? He's faced with rejection. 
He brings the message in the earlier verses. You remember, he brings the message. The master is inviting you. The master is calling you in. Here I am, the messenger, bringing you the message. And immediately, as soon as I bring you the message, you bring back to me excuses. So now you're messing with me because I had a job that I'm not able to complete. Because when I was trying to do my job, you didn't want to receive what I was giving. And the truth is that many of us don't realize that when we experience certain levels of rejection because of what we're carrying on the inside of us, which is the message of the kingdom, people are not really rejecting you. Truth is that at the end of the day, they're rejecting Christ. When you really grab this, then you stop tripping out of why your boss or your coworkers don't like you. Yeah. If I'm full of demons and you're full of light, and you walk into a room, obviously something in me is not going to like something in you. And I might be a little irritated. I might do a little rolling the eyes. I might do a little throwing you under the bus. I might, I might do some kind of things. Some of you have been at work frustrated about stuff that's just kingdom. Some of you have allowed the rejection of the enemy to get in you, so now you're rejecting other people when you haven't realized it's all a part of the game of carrying the mandate. Sherman, you're preaching here already. Thank you, Sherman. And the message of Christ on the inside of you. How are you going to be a messenger of Christ and not experience rejection like he did? See, we love the victory. We love the power of the resurrection. We don't like to die. We don't like to suffer. We don't like the process that takes us to the victory and that takes us to the resurrection. So the messenger is already faced with this rejection. And he has to carry this message back to his master. I failed. Think about this for a minute. I, I, I took the message. Nobody's coming. I brought the message. Nobody's coming to the table today. Everybody has an excuse of why they are not coming. And I really want you to look at this story because some of us have, have been there before where we felt unsuccessful in being able to share either the message of Christ or to walk out the plan or the God idea that God had for us and have to come back to God and say, hey, nobody, nobody, nobody answered. Here's what I love. What I love about this story is that it brings out this, this understanding of, of no's. No's. Everybody say no's. B behind every single no, eventually, if God gave you a mandate, there's a yes in there somewhere. Yeah. If you can get past the no's, you can get to the yes. But if you're the kind of individual that becomes so angry and upset because you got a no, you can never embrace the plan and the mandate that God really has for you because you've got to press past the no's in order to get to the yes. And if you give up at a couple of no's, y'all are quite Presbyterian in here today. If you, if you, if you, get, if you get past, if you can't get past all of the, yeah, the no's, you'll never get to your yes. And you'll live a whole life being moved by no's. A whole life. What if, what if you getting to your next level was going to demand you having perseverance? Just a thought. Just a thought. Maybe in order for you to get to your victory, you have to, you have to, you have to carry a cross. 
You have to go through a process. Maybe, maybe. Maybe in order for you to get to the resurrection, there had to be a death and there had to be some no's that went to it before you could come into your victory. Most of us never really experience real victory. We get partial victory because we, we give up too early. We quit too fast. A little bit of adversity, we're done. I just, oh God, I'm just finished. Can't do this, Lord. Are you getting this today? But this man has had this mandate now of having to go in to minister this message or to give this message against a people that has rejected him. After they rejected him, you know, God's like, you know what, go out there and go get the maimed, the lame, blind, go and find the poor and give them the invitation. Give them the invitation. So this is, this is try number two. Because he went out to tell them already. God is calling or the master is calling. He was rejected with the excuses. Here's try number two. He goes out and he's, he's giving the message. He comes back and the scripture make it clear that he gave the message. People came, but then something happened. He said, but there is still room. Now I, I want to deal with this for a second. Because many of us, when we get a mandate, something that God's destined us to do, all we're looking to do is just complete the task. We want to just do the simple task that was given to us, but we haven't grabbed the heart of the, a hold of the heart of the master concerning the task. I'm going to make it make sense in a minute. We just want to check something off the list. <laughs> I prayed. I ain't studied. One little Tuesday, halfway fasted, the corporate fasted, the church kind of sort of fasted. Uh, uh, I, I check off, check off, check off. We, we, we're great at checking off, but oftentimes we don't grab a hold of the Father's heart concerning the thing that he's asked you to do. So after we check off, we feel comfortable with sitting down and chilling. You feel accomplished. Said your little five-minute prayer. Feel accomplished. You gave some food to somebody that looked like they were a little hungry. I didn't check it off the list. But watch this servant. Everybody holler servant. servant. Now this this whole thing about servanthood, we got to do it. Now he could have called, he could have called this guy anything. He just could have called him his name. He could have called him anything. For, but for, for purposes that are really important, they designated him by calling this man servant. That whole idea of servanthood is an ideal of a selfless life. Where you do not become priority. <laughs> Y'all don't like that kind of talk. It's a very classy. Uh, 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 you, you do not become priority. Here, here's a newsflash. <laughs> Public service announcement. Life is not about you. It's, it's really not. If you live life wanting it to be about you and your life is self-centered, you're going against the plan of Christ for you. Why do most Americans not succeed? Not most. Why do a lot of Americans not succeed in Christianity? Because they want to do it with selfishness. <laughs> Versus being selfless. 
We, we want to live Christianity in America as a goal to get a nice house, get a good job, start a nice family, and have the, 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 you know, the American dream or whatever it is. And so we, we just want to do that. And so God is just another way. He's just a genie in the bottle that we rub in order to cause for our ideas to come to pass. But don't let him interrupt what you think your life should be. Then there's a problem. Hello. Um, servanthood is a selfless life. Is a selfless life where people, people are, people are actually being placed before you. Imagine this: that the way up in the kingdom is down. Let the greatest among you, scripture, be a servant. Verse. <laughs> If you want greatness in the kingdom, it is not about your gifts. It is not about your talents. It is not about the great things you do. It's how low can you go? And you and your last word having to have tell. Well, you and your got to have the last word. I got to get it out. It's got to be my way having self. Some of y'all at Thanksgiving couldn't have a happy Thanksgiving unless they was cooking exactly what you wanted at the table with your greedy behind and could not even just eat what everybody was eating. Couldn't get low enough even at Thanksgiving. No, you're quiet in here because I'm on your toe. It's important that you must realize that God wants to bring you to a place of servanthood like this man. But he did not just complete a task, but he grabbed a hold of the spirit of his master. Because when he showed back up, he had completed the task. He had talked to the maimed, the lame, the poor, and the blind. But when he got there, something hit him. He said, but there is still his room. Whoa, whoa, what happened? Whatever. It's not even his mission. It's not even his mandate. What happened? He had grabbed the heart of the whole, a hold of the heart of his master. And he said, whatever you feel, I feel. I know your whole idea and your whole plan was to fill your house. I know it was your idea to make sure that your house was full and that the table was not empty. And even though I went and done my task, after I have done my task that I could check off, my heart is still burning. Why? Because I've grabbed the hold of my master's mandate. What was the last time that you stopped checking off lists and got a hold of God's heart for your city, got a hold of God's heart for your family, got a hold of God's heart for your community and say, I don't want to just be a good Christian checker offer. I want to be a person who gets into a place of saying, Master, whatever your heart is for my region, whatever your heart is for my family, whatever your heart is for my city, that's what I want to come to pass. A real servant grabs a hold of the whole thing. It's called ownership. I work really, I work hard around here. Kingdom culture trying to get people to get ownership, man. Because that's a different thing. Because then things change from task. When you take ownership, you don't say, I'm doing this because apostle said do it. I do it because this is my house. And nobody, some of you, but, but most of us don't like our house to be dirty. Okay, are y'all here today? I mean, a clean house is like freedom. I got a, a, a cleaning uh, person that does my house, and I'm telling you, she comes, I mean, and, and we don't keep a dirty house, but still this lady does stuff with my house that I didn't know was possible. I mean, I feel like I went through complete deliverance when she gets done. I'm like, I have all of my demons are gone. I just walk around that house like, yes. But it's, it's taking, you got to take ownership of where you are ownership of the mandate God has given you and stop looking at it as God's mandate. No, it's, it's what was coded in your DNA when you were born. 
It's like a whole reason why you were here. It's like the whole reason why you exist is not to be a good Christian. It's to fulfill this mandate. If it was all about you getting saved, you would have come to the altar, shook the preacher's hand, and died. But the reason why you're still living is that there's a coded mission on the inside of you. And there are people who are waiting on you to realize who you are for you to be able to walk in your purpose. But some of us with your lazy tail is somewhere being concerned about yourself than other people. Hello in here. This is good talking. Listen, you got to realize that God wants to bring you. You got to get a hold of the heart of the master. So he got it. He got it. He said, I don't just want to check anything off. I want to I wanna fulfill and finish the mandate. Your house is still room. What happens? He goes on in verse number 23. Here's the third time the master sends him out. And he comes to him and he says, um, the master says to the servant, this time, I want you to go into the highways and the hedges. Now, you've already gone. Think about the first invitation. They gave him excuses. He already went to the lanes of the city. He went into the streets, right? He called in the main poor, blind, lame, into the house. Now, here's a third time where he's being sent out. Now, for most of us, after we had gone the first time, would have felt fulfilled. Would have felt like we did something. But here... The master sent them out three. Everybody said three. three. Sent them out three different times. I want you to realize something. Same day, three different strategies. Walk with me for a second. Same day, three different strategies. Same day. Having my heart connected to the master allows me to be open to the different strategies and the different plans that he may have for me to execute all in one day. Same mission, three different strategies. Our time with the master matters. Because the closer you are to the master's heart, the easier it is for you to grab a hold of the strategies. And if you take just one strategy to complete your day. See, you're not living life the right way. Some of you, I want you to change the way you live life. I need you to live life like like James Bond 007. Are y'all in here today? Like, like when I wake up in the morning, there is a mission for the day. Some of you, you don't understand who you are yet, so you don't get it. Uh, 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 when I wake up in the morning, there's something I'm supposed to complete. It, it, it may not be yesterday's mission. It may not be what God said to me yesterday. Today may be a different mission. If I don't live life like that, I don't complete purpose the way he wanted me to. Think about it. Think as you look all throughout scripture. All of these characters were designed, remember, coded inside of them to bring some kind of change to some kind of people, some type of people group, some kind of city. And they're going in and they're going out and they're bringing this change and God's giving them different ways to do it. That's what the whole Bible's about. It's about a bunch of missions. A bunch of mandates that these different individuals were given and had to walk out. We have to get up in the morning and say, what's today's mission? Good morning, Charlie. Some of y'all with me. <laughs> you you got you to gotta wake up in the morning and, and be able to find out what's today's mission. And sometimes as you go throughout your day, the strategy may change. 
And if you get irritated by change, you will never have real victory. I want you to tweet that. If you get irritated by change, you will never have real victory because God is a God who does change his methods, but he never changes. But his methods change all day long. He used all kinds of ways to get to particular people and to get to particular places. And if you get irritated because he changed your surroundings or he changed, you know, like Abraham. He said, Abraham, go to a place that you know not of. Just walk. You can't even, like God said, I'm not even giving you the place. Just go. It's this idea of just follow my mission and trust me. Are you getting this? So the strategy changed this time. Highways, hedges. Let's evaluate this. Highways. Highways were dealing with places that were outside of his usual comfort zone. Outside of the area that he was in. The very word highway in its original language meant a far place. A far place. Do you realize the mandate that God has called you to will require for you to step out of your comfort zone? <laughs> right? God is really not, he doesn't care about your comfort. I just really, if there's any message I can help my church to get across all three cities is that God cares less about your comfortability. If you really can grab a hold of that, you'll stop trying to fight so hard. You, you would just be like, okay, God, fine. I'm just supposed to live uncomfortable and just, and just go with it. He said, into the highway and the hedges. You got to be willing to go outside of your box. Some of us, as soon as God gave us a mission, gives us a mission, we automatically look at our street. We look at the area that we're from, that we, that we know about, that we, we feel called to. She is just okay. Um, uh, we, all, of these, all of these things that we feel like we're, we're, called, we're called to this. So as soon as God gives us a word, we automatically assume it's this particular space, which you're common to. Because most of us don't like to step out of our box. You won't share the mission or the mandate of God with anybody who doesn't look like you, some of you. Yep, someone touch you. If, if you go around having to talk to someone who looks differently than you or someone who comes from a different status of life. But how about God is not intending for you to live out your life in a place of comfortability and only reaching those that you feel comfortable with? Maybe he wants to stretch you. Maybe, maybe he wants to cause for you to reach somebody else that you never. Let me give you a quick story. I, 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 was, uh, I went to school, went to college in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, um, I went to Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, Oklahoma. is a Christian university out there that has great history and, and healing evangelism. It's, it's a great school. And, and I, I went there, but, but I was raised in South L.A., um, Arlington and Jefferson um, in South L.A. I'm from the hood, and for real, for real. And, 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 and so I was raised in this um, very traditional African-American Pentecostal church experience. So here it is. God calls me to this school in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and um, definitely the minority. <laughs> and, um, and when I got there in Tulsa, Oklahoma, it was my first time experiencing a couple of things. Number one. Um, interacting with people of a different race than me. I had a lot of Latino friends, but I had not been around a lot of white people. So a uh, culture shock in a lot of different ways. Their culture was different from me from what I experienced. Mine was different from them. But I also found a different type of church experience too. 
I have been very stuck to this traditional way of doing church. We did a lot of what we call shouting, but which is really dancing, so it doesn't really make sense. Um, but but we, we, we did we we did we had a lot of that going on. I love it. If you catch me at the right spot, you'll see me dance still. I don't have nothing. I can hop with the rest of you, and I can dance with the others. I can do all of it, and I, I love it. I have a very well-rounded experience. But I remember first walking in to um, what we had was chapel, and we had chapel every week, and we walked in the chapel. And when I walked in, I was like, what? Uh, I'm going to tell you what I said. The hell? And that's what I said at that time. And so I walked in, and I was like, oh, my God. And they were like, glory to God in the highest. Come on and praise his name. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> and this is my first time really being around CCM music, contemporary Christian music. It was my first time. So I'm like, now, if you know me now, I sing every, I could, I could sing the best contemporary Christian music to you. But I, back then, I was like, okay. And immediately, you know what I did? I started judging the room. I said, they don't know God. I mean, I, the Holy Ghost is nowhere in this building. I mean, what kind of stuff is this? These people have no relationship with the Father. What is this? They don't. And I did all of that because I was rejecting what I did not understand. I'm just telling on myself because some of you trying to fake like you ain't there right now or you ain't ever been there before in different experiences. We start rejecting what we don't understand or we don't comprehend. But God wanted to take me back into the woods of Oklahoma. Y'all ain't said nothing. To brainwash me and to help prepare me and to refine me to reach more than who I had been used to because there was a global mandate upon my life. And so the Lord said, I can't have you just only able to talk to Pentecostal black people, but I need you to be able to have a conversation, be able to go into any church and minister to any group. Oh, you understand? I'm real comfortable in my own house, but I'm telling you, I can go into an all-white church and give them a good gospel and not scare the hell out of them. Because I've learned how to become all things to all men. I know how to sit in a boardroom, and I can go in the backwoods of Mississippi and minister to the most ghetto black church that ever existed. I can go to all of those places and minister effectively because God taught me that I want to expand your borders and I want to make you something greater than what you even had an idea of yourself. You blocked your own self in. Is somebody cooking chili right now? Oh, I mean, that thing is hitting my soul. Do you understand? And I just could not reject saying anything about it right now. I mean, that thing was just hitting me. I had to make sure it wasn't me just like that gluttony still had me from Thanksgiving. Oh, what was going on? Okay, as long as it's real. Because I have visions and moments. So it could have been something spiritual. And I was just like, am I in the spirit? And why is it spending chili in the Holy Ghost? All right. Praise God. Now we're back. So he said... I'm going to send you to the highways outside of your box. Everybody say outside of your box. Here's the second thing. He said, I'm going to send you to the hedges. And that, that messed with me as I began to study it because I realized that hedges uh, were a place that literally closed in, right, circled and closed in and had thorns. Had thorns. So I'm going to call you to the place where you could possibly experience pain. That as you go into the hedges to release the mandate, you might get poked. <laughs> you, you, you might experience a little pain. And that's, for some of us, that's a bit much for you to imagine that God calls you to a place that will cause you pain. <laughs> but the reality is, can I tell you, some of my greatest pain has come from the place I've been called to build. 
to make it more clear, this church <laughs> and all three of these campuses has been the place that I have received the most pain, but it's my assignment at the same time. And if you cannot embrace the pain, you will never see victory. There is no victory without pain. You have to go through the pain. You have to go through the process. You cannot live life painless. If you want to live life painless, you're asking God to take away the experience of life. You're asking him to take away the, the journey to the, to the resurrection power that God has available for you. You've called to some prickly places. You're called to go into some places to go carry the mandate, and you got to be willing to go in the places of comfort that you know. you got to be able to go into the highways, the places that are out your comfort zone, and you must be willing to go to the hedges and be okay with it. <laughs> that that's the places where God has called you to and allow him to minister to those places. Most of us don't like pain because a lot of us have gotten to the place where we are not consistent in our time with God. When you have your time with God, because I told you about my pain, but also let me tell you that I am quick to run into his presence in the midst of all of my pain. Because I know who has the solution for my pain. <laughs> I know who has the ability to give me the right resolve. So I don't become bitter with the thing he called me to. So I don't awaken one day and bleed over the people he called me to because I'm experiencing pain. When I get into the presence of the Lord, the Lord tells me, I'm making something out of you, son. I'm creating something on the inside of you. There's something I'm building in you. And if you can handle this little bit of pain, the scripture says there's a far exceeding weight of glory that comes on the other side of the pain that you're experiencing right now. I need you to high five somebody, look like they're irritated by my message and tell them, deal with the pain. Deal with the pain so that you can get where God wants to take you. He tells them, go into the highways and the hedges, and this is where I'm going to close. And he says, and compel them to come in. Totally different strategy now. Before he told them, give them the invitation. Now he's using a whole other strategy. He says, compel. That's to urge. That's to press them into coming. Are you understanding that? This is not just a, this is not just a common way of saying there's something for you at the table. This is a way of being convincing. And it's not just being convincing with your words. It's being convincing with your life. Do you know the best compelling uh, drawing that you could ever have is the way you live? Some of our families don't ever come to no table that we were at because they watch you very closely how you live. You want to prophesy to me after you were bitter and pissed off at me the other day and never came back to resolve it? But then you want to give me what the word of the Lord is, and you think I'm going to listen? And we say stuff like, oh, they don't want to hear the truth. No, they don't want to hear you. There's a difference. Some people are not even rejecting the message of Christ in some instances to be the truth. They're really rejecting you, and they're rejecting you because your attitude is ugly. You're mean. You're mean. You love other people but can't stand your family. You're mean. You're willing to pour into other people, but, you, but then you don't want to take the time to pour into your own people that you come out of. And then we want our families to come into the, the knowledge of Christ, but we're not living a life 
that's pleasing to him. And you think we're, oftentimes we think we're okay because we're not doing the stuff that we consider the big sins. We're not having sex anymore. And we're not doing this and that anymore. So we're good with God. But yeah, but you frown too often. For the spirit is kindness. Hello. And you're mean. You, you, you got to find some kind of kindness in dealing with people. Are you understanding that? You got to allow God to make that in you. I had to learn that a long time ago, that I wasn't necessarily mean, but my just, I'm a very strong leader, very strong man, very direct. You don't have to wonder what I'm thinking about you. I'm going to tell you straight to you. And people, I think people should love it, but it doesn't always work out that way. Um, so so I, I, I'm, I'm very, you know, straight to it. Like, I'm not going to beat around the bush. I don't have time for that, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm too, oh, I'm just kidding here. Uh, but it's, I just, I, 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 we got to get straight to it. And so, and so, um, but I had to learn also, it's not always that people are, were afraid of my truth. They were afraid of my presentation. Because I can give you the same truth and change. I had to let God break me. I had to let God break my need to fight for what I thought was my identity, but was really my dysfunctionality. How was I going to draw on the nations with a frown when people were afraid to talk to me because I looked so intense? Now, I'm still intense, but but uh, but I, I, I'm intentional. I'm very intentional about when I walk into a space to make sure. Sherman, remember, you come into this space. It's not fake at all. I'm like, come on, show them the smile that you got inside of you because I'm so focused. Like I walk in a place, especially if I'm a, I'm a builder. So as soon as I walk in this building, I'm looking at why is that sign cricket? Why did they put that right there? Like, I'm literally, like, it's, I had to train myself not to show that. Am I helping anybody today? I had to try, I mean, I really, I walk right in, I'm like, what the heck? Why did they put that over there? Like, I'm, I, and I'm already thinking about this because I'm very meticulous about every single thing of how we build here at Kingdom Culture. So I come in automatically doing that. And when I would do that, sometimes people would think I was angry. When really I was focused on trying to make sure that everything was in its place. And just because I knew I was focused doesn't mean that I have to say, take me as I am. If you didn't understand I was focused because of my disposition, maybe I needed to change my disposition. Maybe I need to learn how to smile and be focused. So I trained myself to smile and focus at the same time. And I did it by intentionality. Smile, boy. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be in a place when you're walking in here, you do not want to turn people off. And then they feel, especially if you're the representative, you, sometimes you, we don't forget, we forget that some of us are the closest thing that people will see or connect with God. As a Christian, with your Christ following self, come Scott and play some softly to help your souls preach. When you come and you come into an experience, man, you have to realize some people, you're the closest thing that they'll ever see. To God. So really think about how you present him or represent him in the area that you go in. So could it be that some people didn't come to Jesus just because you mean? Because you're like, this is just how I am. That's my face. And that's my face. Change you. For the sake of your mission, change you. For the sake of what God has called you to, change you. Maybe you've been that way your whole life. Change you. Change you. The strategy changed. 
He sent them to the highways and the hedges, and he said, now compel. You got to urge them. You got to push them in. You got to tell them. And listen, the best way to compel again is through your lifestyle. It's through your lifestyle. That people can see something. Listen, in order for you to be compelling, you got to be transparent. I do self-evaluations all the time. I recommend that you would, too. And not that you just self-evaluate, but you find somebody that's over you in some type of leadership form to help you evaluate yourself. Because I, I find out that most of us in self-evaluation really, we either evaluate ourselves too high or too low, never really on point. So you really need somebody over you. Because not even just your peers, because some of your peers, they say whatever it takes to keep you around. So you could be the most ugly, nastiest person, and because they want to keep you as a friend, they tell you you're great. Giving you lessons right now. You need to go find somebody over you to evaluate you. Don't ask your boyfriend. He want to keep you. He's going to tell you whatever you want to hear. And even if he give you a little something, he's only going to go so far because he don't want you to run off. You need somebody over you to tell you where you're at. So I submit to my pastor, and oftentimes I ask him, hey, come on, help me, help me. How am I doing in this area? What am I, what am I, what am I doing in this area? And why am I evaluating? It's because I don't want to just be okay with being whatever version of me I've been. I don't, I, I don't want to just be okay just because it works for other people. Or other people did it that way. I want to be a different version of me. I want to be the best version of me that God created me to be so that I can walk in my purpose and my destiny. And as I'm transparent about who I am in my process, man, that's attractive. People are magnetized to transparency. God forbid I was to fall. Let's say I was to have a public fall. Mine would be much different than a lot of these preachers that you experience out here. Why? Because I've been very honest about my whole journey as being a pastor that I'm flawed, I have issues. And you would never have to read about it on the news. You wouldn't get an email from nobody. I would stand right here myself. I wouldn't send anybody, and I'll come and tell you I jacked up. I would come and tell you, give me a couple of days. I'm going to go a couple of weeks, you know, whatever it takes, months, go spend time with my pastor. He's going to make sure somebody fills in while I go through restoration to get myself together. But it won't be as much of a shock because I've been transparent about myself. I haven't said that I am perfect, never offered that to anybody. I've been transparent. It becomes attractive. People say, I can find a place here. I can roll with that kind of leader. Someone that will keep it right where it is and, and be real with me. What, so you can also demagnetize people by putting up walls. You can push them away by faking like you're perfect as a Christian. But the transparency is everything. He says, compel them, and this is where I'll close. He said, so that my house may be full. God hates empty seats. I'll explain. God doesn't want his house empty. He wants his house full. Because a filled seat in the church is an empty seat at the barn. Filled seat in the church is an empty seat at the Heron house. 
field seat here is an empty seat in some kind of debauchery or some kind of place where hurt and pain is happening. God wants his house full, and he wants it full with people who are willing to be honest about their issues and fellowship together around the table and say that everybody's welcome, no matter how messed up you are. God welcomes us all, man. He, messes, he welcomes the liar. He welcomes those that are addicts. He welcomes those that, that have full of pride, because we forget about that kind of stuff, right? Because we talk about addicts and having sex and doing that, but some of us are just full of pride. But you got a place at the table, too. He has a place for every single individual to be welcome and to sit at the table. I want to encourage you. We have a week coming up, and in that week, live a compelling life. Make your mission to be the servant that the master gave the call to. Make it your goal and your plan to fill God's house. The calls for people to know there's a place that you can come no matter where you are in your journey, no matter what's going on with you. Bring them to the table and allow God to minister to them and allow God to do what he wants them to do. You have a mission. You have a mandate, something unique and amazing God's destined for you to do. You're different. You're not like everybody else. You're not just a normal, everyday individual. You're unique. That's what the fight has been about this year. Because the enemy knew that if he could try to hold you down at certain levels, maybe you would not fulfill your purpose. But I believe something else about you. You're a fighter. And if you really engage the fighter or the warrior that's in you, man, you can end this year triumphing and setting the tone for what's going to happen in your 2008. My heart is full of faith for you to believe that you can become the best version of yourself that God designated for you to be. Lift your hands. Father, thank you so much for this. We hope that you enjoyed this message. We would love for you to come worship with us here again at Kingdom Culture Worship Center. We are all about being real people, serving a real God, and changing lives. Have a blessed week.